Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yes. yes. Welcome to Berkeley Zen Center. I'm really happy to be here with my old friend, uh, Yasser Chadley. I don't think we've seen each other since the pandemic. Yeah, yes. they were over for dinner last year. Oh, right, you were here for dinner. Never mind. Can folks online hear okay? Well, yes. All good here. Okay, thanks. Okay, good. Well, I see um, quite a number of new faces here. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, did you come from our announcement online or did you come from uh, an announcement from Yasir? I saw it online on the website. Great. Anyone else want to say how you got here? Great, terrific. Well, welcome. Uh, so we have a, a three-week class. My, my name is Hosan Alan Sanaki, and I'm the abbot of Berkeley Zen Center. And uh, we're going to have a three-week exploration of what is a good life in our respective traditions. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of resonance between uh, the Sufi tradition and uh, our Buddhist tradition and Zen tradition. Uh, and there are differences too. Uh, so uh, I think each of us is going to do a, a kind of exploration and then we'll be open to, to questions and comments. And I think that one of the things that, that we have common, uh, not so much in our Zen tradition, to be honest with you, uh, but there's a lot of music in the Sufi tradition. And uh, I have been a musician for years. In the Zen tradition, I like to say, we tend to sing one note that goes flat. Uh, but uh, there's more music than that. But we're going to, we're going to start out with uh, with a song from uh, Yasir's Gnawa tradition, right? Yes. So more about this. Uh, my name is Yasir Shadri. I'm originally from Morocco, from the city of Casablanca, which was spared by the earthquake. We just had the shake. Um, my family name is Shadli. It's a Shadli name of a Sufi order. So I was born in the Sufi order of Shadli Tariqa, or we can say order. So I was born in it. Um, when I came here, it was uh, like coming to the Amazon, all kind of people. It's not like Morocco, only Moroccans are there. When I came here, it opened many doors. From them, the food do uh, door, you can find Mexican food, there is burritos, i never seen them before. They have sushi, what is that? <laughs> Rice like this. And then you have American food, hamburger, 
French fries, Pepsi Cola, all kind of stuff. It's all there. And there are all kind of races, and all kind of colored people. That was beautiful, the variety that I found here. Then to share with these people where I come from, and to learn from them, like jazz, we didn't have jazz. I didn't know what jazz means. The only jazz I know is when we have TV starting at six o'clock, they have cartoon. And then I can hear that music. I thought jazz was that. Just <laughs> 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 something different. Anyway, to make the story short, uh, I was interested in the learning all this music. I found that I, I love uh, James Taylor and his music, even though I didn't understand what he was saying. I loved the chords and it was wonderful. And many other things. And so I'm going to play a song from the Sufi Gnawa people in Morocco. It's a, it's a sarcasm song. It says that you guys are eating chicken and your wife is eating chicken and I'm eating the bone with the leftovers. Oh my God, Allah, Allah, Mulana. Allah, Allah is another way of saying God. Allah is my, I am the property of Allah. I don't belong to anybody. Only Allah owns me. And this is my destiny. Hadawa, doom scheme. Miskin, this poor guy, Miskin. And they, they laugh with the song and these words. So I'm going to start with that song to share with you. Allah Allah Mulana, Allah Allah Mulana, Allah Allah Mulana, Hadawa Doom Skin. That's his destiny, poor guy. And the song goes like that. Just make it in small. <coughs> Sidi 
to feed the whole tribe. It's a, it's a camel that is offered to feed the people who are poor. That's not, sometimes it's the only time they eat meat and protein. 
So there is a ritual how to sacrifice this camel. The skin of that camel neck is the one they use for this hajjud. The string they use from the guts of the sheep. That sheep also should be a sacred sheep that is offered once a year in the remembrance of Abraham, peace be upon him, when, when he was going to sacrifice his only son, instead he sacrificed the sheep. So we sacrifice the sheep in remembrance of that day. Once a year they do that. The guts of that sheep, they, they make it tight and they hold it on, on a tight windows, open like this, and stretch it until it becomes strings. So the big string from a big guts and the small, medium one and small one, and then they put them on the, on the gimli, or the hajhuj if it's big, or the centir if it's small. And that makes the, this instrument. Usually it's, it's all organic, made by organic people. They are not into technology. They are poor people, but they have this simplicity and connection with the divine presence in their songs. So they gather together and they play with the gimbri, different process. They call it lila. Lila means a night. So they play in each color. They don't have written music that you can read. They have color. So if they start with the color red, they have to do seven songs in the red. And they know each one follows this one. It's a process, like a domino effect. Until you finish the red, then you go to the blue. The red is sacrifice. Anybody who sacrifices the red. You go to the blue, it represents Moses because he was carried with water. He split the ocean. It's all about water. And the dancer will dance with that seven songs. If they feel moving, they have material that has colors they put on their heads and they will move with the blue. Trancing. They get in the zone. Especially if they studied all year long, they have to pass their PhD and everything. If they, if they pass, they want to get a relief. So, <laughs> so they do these activities in a house where they, they, somebody will just pass their PhD and everything. So now they want to just take it off. They, they do like this in the process, going, going, going. They call it lila because they do it at night. And the, what goes with the gimbri is this metal castanet can, but a heavy one. You can hear them. And they, there is always six people that plays that. And the seventh one plays the gimbri. And there is call and response. Those metals are so loud, you cannot think forward or backward. You have to be present. That, that makes them to be present. Now I'm here. It's called Karkhaba, the metals. They go with the gimli. And then the leader sings the, the song, and the other one, they do the chorus, call response. They keep doing this like that. When the sun rises, then they always play the yellow. The yellow color means sunrise, and also means ladies. 
when that comes, they pass around and they give people uh, almonds and walnuts and chewing gum and M&M and all these little knickknacks to everybody. And they dance the yellow. The yellow is seven ladies. Aisha, Layla, Khadija, Naima, seven ladies. But these ladies are not human. They're not human. They are from another zone. We call them the genies. Genies are made from smokeless fire, just like electricity. So they invite this dancer that is not seen by the eyes here. And then she comes and she may enter anyone. They trance and dance, covered with yellow. After they finish with the yellow, then they have breakfast. Everybody eats. This is a process that they've been doing for a long time. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> what strikes me is that the, uh, the Gimri, both the construction of it and also how you play it, uh, is really one of the ancestors of the banjo in, in our culture, which of course the banjo came from, from Africa uh, and you know, it was brought by enslaved people. And just the structure of it, the way this, this instrument has a, a string on the, it has a short string, which is a drone string here on the side. It's just like five string banjo. And he plays it the way Yasir plays it. Show, show them the hand motion. Right, so he's picking, he's picking up with his fingers and down with his thumb. This is, this is really like a, an Appalachian mountain style. Uh, it's, it's, we see everything comes from someplace. And even though we think that Morocco may be very far away, uh, the music is right here in our own traditions, in our own cultures, and it's still alive. Uh, so we're supposed to talk about a good life. And uh, we talked, a, we spoke a little about it. Uh, the life that uh, I understand from what, you, what Yesu was just saying, uh, on the one hand, it's very rich in traditions and in uh, stories, legends, uh, myths that are very beautiful and old. And also, the, there's a tremendous discipline, uh, which I think is something he's going to speak about. Uh, and this is also something that we, we have in common. There's a, there's a discipline to the Buddhist tradition. Uh, there's a way, particularly even in, in the Zen tradition, there's a way that we do things. And I remember uh, when Yasir came to speak here a number of years ago, he was struck by the, the discipline of people 
you know, how you're sitting, uh, how you're moving in this space. And I think that's really akin to the kinds of discipline that you will find, say, in a life of Islam. Uh, but the frameworks that we have, uh, just to point out to you, and we can go more into depth, but we've got, first of all, uh, let me start with a traditional invocation. May all beings be safe. May all beings be happy. May all beings be well and at peace. This is an invocation that flows through our, our whole tradition and that speaks about the relationship that each of us has with all beings, with the universe, with not just living beings, but also trees, rocks, the ocean. Uh, all of this is life itself. So we have these systems, if we're talking about discipline, we were, when we were speaking, uh, Yassir talked about the discipline as sort of like guide rails along the highway. And we've got all these systems in Buddhism, uh, these ancient systems of practices and virtues that are designed to keep us on track. And many of them go back the, the Eightfold Path. That goes back to the earliest sermon of the Buddha, which was 2,500 years ago. Um, and uh, this is the Eightfold Path to that leads to a life of liberation. Uh, and we could say to a good life. It, it constitutes the elements of a good life. So we have uh, right action, right intention, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. All of these are the, the building blocks of a good life. You can interpret them uh, as practices for monks and nuns, <coughs> renunciates, but it's also how we can live in a way that is integrated and in line with these human values. Uh, so that's one system. We have other systems and, you know, I can go through them. We have systems of, a uh, system called the Four Embracing Dharmas, which is giving, kind speech, beneficial action, and cooperation. We have four, it's called the four immeasurables, which are four kinds of love. Uh, 
loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. We have sets of virtues. And we also, if you boil it down, we have uh, the union of wisdom and compassion. Uh, wisdom is the vision of seeing things exactly as they are. And compassion is the wish that, as we were invoking at the beginning, that all beings are free, are healthy, safe, happy, and so forth. So these are all tools, uh, and they overlap with each other, but basically they're there to, to give us some guidance when we lose our way, which inevitably we do. So all this is really useful and fine. But the real question is, first of all, how are we in relationship to each other? How are we in relationship to our environment? And it begins with how are we in relationship to our partners, to our families, to our community, to our town and nation, you know, and other nations, not just my tribe, not just my people, but recognizing the common humanity and life that we all have. That's a good life. You know, if you're, no matter which of these other sets of virtues you use that, that take you to the bottom of things, if at the bottom, it's not about how your relationship to each other, it's, it's wasted effort. How are we in relationship? How are we in alignment with, with life, even when things are very hard? Even when we have uh, violence and oppression, <coughs> discrimination, disease, all of these things, for each of us, it's incumbent on us to find a way to live that is not mired in those hindrances. Uh, and we can only do that, we do, we do that by really embracing the, the spiritual oneness of, of all life. And I think that that's, that's a perspective that we, we have in common and how we do it is a little different. So we do it here, as many of you know, our fundamental practice is meditation. And the content of that meditation is really seeing yourself. We sit, we often sit, usually sit facing the wall. And when you're facing the wall, what do you see? You see yourself. Yeah. You also can see the bugs that are walking 
across the wall and the shifting lights and stuff like that. But, but you encounter yourself and you encounter every difficult thought and feeling that is within us. And what our practice in that context of meditation is to, to accept ourselves, to accept all of those feelings as human and not be caught by them. To be, not to get rid of them, not to push them away, but not to take them as the truth of what one boils down to. To recognize there's something more, there's something beyond, and to see through that. And that's the, that's the process of our meditation. And then the idea is that we extend this meditation into our whole life. So in a lot of zendos, um, when you leave, after you finish the period of meditation, you go to the door and you turn towards the altar, towards the Buddha, and you bow to the Buddha, and you turn and you walk out. In this sendo, uh, our teacher had us do something different. Uh, when we get to the door, uh, we don't turn and bow to the altar. We face the threshold and we bow to the threshold, to the outside, and say, here I come. I'm bringing what was what was in me in this period of Zaza, I'm bringing this out into the world. Because if it stays in here, it's not alive. If, it's, if it enters our life and our relationships, then that's the way to live. So that's just a brief introduction. Maybe you have some thoughts about that or some something to expand on. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In our Sufi tradition The target makes you move If you have an arrow you cannot just hold on the arrow and study the arrow and the other line that holds the arrow would you can study all that and keep your eyes only on the arrow and the bow and the string without knowing the target in the Sufi tradition there is movement there is meditation toward the goal the target so you have to move if you just study the, the arrow and the bow, you're not moving. As soon as you finish studying that, you go 20 minutes later, it fades away because you didn't move. So they need meditation with movement, 
towards the A target. That target comes from the inner, what we call Iman, faith. You have to have faith that there is something. That something we call Allah is beyond our mind or capacity to know. We only have faith that's there. Because we deduction, we say this whole universe could not come from nothing. Something caused this. What causes all this? We say Allah, it's simple. Other people, they say, well, who created Allah? And who created the other one who created Allah? And go wrong like that. <laughs> and that's called infinite regression. <laughs> like somebody who wants to shoot but waits for the general to say fire then he shoots but if the general has to wait for his general to say say fire and the other one and the other one that guy can never shoot the infinite regression it has to start somewhere that's the one they are targeting how to get there plus that one who created us with this intelligence what we can do must be more intelligence than us. This intelligence and this wisdom has to be infinite. And then Allah in this, in this journey doesn't speak present, time or future. He speaks past, means everything has been done. So this movement I did like this, Allah is not behind my back and saying, oh, I didn't know he's going to do like that. He doesn't know that. He's not worth to be Allah. Allah is also created this that I'm doing. He created it way before I was born. So then you start working with this process. If you can imagine using imagination, that all the people you see are really puppets. And there are strings held by Allah. Each one cannot move except by Allah's moving these puppets. But you're the only one who doesn't have strings. You pretend, even though you do have strings. You pretend I don't have any strings. So everything that moves around you, they're puppets moved by Allah to see how you're gonna respond. And the response is the whole, the whole shebang. shebang. <laughs> <laughs> is that an Arabic word? The whole thing is about the response. How do you respond? So Allah can bring somebody who's an idiot and that, that, this, that, that to see how you're gonna respond. If you know that that one is just a puppet, then you respond correctly. You said, what Allah is going to test me with this? So you respond accordingly. So everyone that comes to you, Allah has actually sent them to you to see how you're gonna respond. The whole life is about how you're gonna respond. If you respond 
not correctly, you maybe have anxiety, grief, you can be laziness, or you can be stinginess, or cowardness. All of this can happen when you don't know how to respond. So you have, we, we know that everything, like tomorrow is already known. Also, if you take a paper and you design a creature from your imagination, you, with the pencil, you draw, you draw, you draw, you make this. That creature must exist somewhere. You cannot draw something that never existed. Because Allah cannot be surprised and say, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> if he is surprised, he is not Allah. Therefore, we are surrounded by this energy called Allah, who knows everything. So when Allah created the creation, he didn't need it. He didn't create it because he needs it. He created it and he divided into sections. One section he divided ahead of time to have good life. And he, he also created their actions and their words and everything to have a good life. Another section, he created them to be miserable. And they do everything to be miserable because their choice is like that. But Allah created all that. So we are in between. What do we do? We say, oh Allah, if you created me, please put me with these people. Don't put me here. That's the response, we have to respond to Allah like that. Because you don't know what Allah can do to you. Like today you are like this, tomorrow he can remove all that stuff you have and you become different. Easily. Since we don't know this, only Allah knows that. So we have that target called Allah. So we move with our prayers toward that target. Because why? We know there is a beginning when we are born, and there's an ending. When we finish this life, we have to go to another life. And the other life is like a door. And then that door opens, we move to the other life. How to go through this life and to have a good life is to know these things. That Allah created two sections, the happy ones, the miserable ones make a dua we put our hands like this like what he was doing like that when i was doing what do we do i want to respond oh allah why do that because allah has endless power endless wisdom endless knowledge no limit to what allah can do therefore we know that allah created us and created our movement every movement you do was created ahead of time. Then we ask, if he created us and created our movement, make our movement to be good movement, that our hand will be hands that uh, take care of plants or animals or healing or giving, those kind of hands. Don't make our hands to be the hands of assassins and killers. That's the actions of these. Then Allah created two houses 
one he called heaven or paradise, one he calls hell. But they are, they are similar to the people that goes there. Nobody will be wronged will say, oh Allah, why did you put me here? No. Everybody, Allah will put them there and said, are you, am I just to you? He said, yes. It will be just. Everybody will be just in their places. But then we ask Allah again, because this is the response. Oh Allah, you created these two houses, put me in this good house in paradise. You ask for that. Because sometimes you can be good, 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 and one night you you were, you were had the full moon and you were lunatic, <laughs> and you make a make a big uh, volcano eruption from your your body and anger, and your eyes become red, and you shoot somebody. After you come down, you don't know why they do that. You you never know. So we give that power. And we ask, Allah put me in this place. When, when we see ourselves like that, then we act accordingly. Because we know Allah is watching what you're doing. All the time. Wherever you are, Allah is there. More than that, He's closer to you than your jugular vein. And the jugular vein is, is the one that if you cut, people die. But he said, I'm closer to you than that. So that's the tar target that makes you move in this life. And whatever comes to you, Allah is watching how you're going to respond. So everyone who is not aware of this, they can be, any wind blows on them, they can fall. But discipline is to have first, you have to have faith. There is such thing as Allah, we call it according to Allah, but he has infinite names, <coughs> infinite names. Then you have to believe that Allah didn't leave us like this on their own. He sent a representative that we call prophets and messengers. And they were all on the same foot, starting from Adam and Enoch and Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and for us, the last one, Muhammad. Peace be upon them all. So we follow that kind of teaching. But there are 124,000 messengers and prophets that came to this planet. Some they came a long time ago. Buddha came in 2,500 yeah, BC. Yes, long time, and then we're studying. So he's studying a planet that is 2,500 years far away from him. But if you tell him about the moon, say, what moon? Moon is the closest moon. <laughs> but the same light, the same light, they have the same light according to the place where they were and how much they shared with the people around them. So this one doesn't deny the other lights. So we have to believe in all the 124,000 representatives of Allah, we believe in them. We don't make any difference between them. 
because they all guide to how you, you respond. So in the response is the good life. How to respond is where the secret of a good life is. Just have faith and then action. You do good actions. Then Tawasa will haq. Speak with each other, exchanging truth. You give me some truth, I benefit from it. I give you some truth, you benefit from it. Now we have more truth to move on. Then Tawasub is sabr. Then you have to have endurance and tolerance and patience. Once you get there, those attributes, you should hold on them to reach that target that we call Allah. Since Allah is infinite, this target never finishes. You see a horizon, you say, if I get to that horizon, that should be the end. You come to that horizon, another horizon appears. And you go from horizon to horizon, endless horizons of that journey toward Allah. Until we go hereafter, then Allah will give us power to be able to see this mystery creator, Allah. And to be able to see, Allah has to give you power, like giving power to a blade of grass to carry the Himalayan mountains. He has to give it that power in the hereafter. So to start the journey, you have to be connected. Mutasil. Mutasil is connected. So when I go to see Hansam? Hansam. Is not Hansam? Oza. 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 Hansam Oza. He has pictures of his teachers. You have to be connected. We also have connection with the Sheikh. Some other one they have connection with the called Guru. You have to have a connection. This connection gives a good life, especially if the connection is going from one to one to one to one to the place where it started. So my teacher was number 40 and he was connected with his teacher and his, the other teacher, the other sheikh, the other sheikh, the other sheikh, the other sheikh, Prophet Muhammad, all connected. If you're doing it on your own, you don't have any connection, then you can meditate and everything when you go out, it fades away because you are disconnected, you're not connected. That's why teachers are very important. And then he gives his respect to the teachers. I see their pictures. He's, he's continuing that connection. The connection that the Prophet Muhammad left, peace be upon him and all of them, is he gave the connection to be connected with the one with Allah, five prayers a day. Every day you do this prayer to connect or reconnect. After that, in the dawn, like for example, it was dawn at 5.40 in the morning. Then around 1 o'clock, time to do the next prayer because it, it fades away. 
and you start, don't feel it anymore. And you give it another shot. As if something, you play this thing that uh, you hit it, it turns. Top. So you don't let the top fall. So in the morning, you hit it. Top. Turn, 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 like each time it's starting to you hit it again. <laughs> it starts to go round, round, round. Between noon and sunset, there's another prayer. Hit it keeps on turning. Sunset, another one. And before you sleep, another one. Then you go to sleep. So you repeat that. It keeps you connected. This is a simple connection that the billions of Muslims are, are trying to keep. And there are level and level according to how much capacity and how much love people have. Those that are connected with the Sheikh, that they don't have to wait. They're already turning all the time. Their prayers is a prayers of, of getting to a horizon. Every time they move into the next horizon, next horizon, we know there are endless horizons. So when you do two, next horizon, four next horizon eight next horizon 16 it keeps on building up with new, with new knowledge and new things you can see because you are moving you are moving you are moving well that's a nutshell of this whole thing i just <laughs> a little bit of here and there and there to get an idea may allah bless you and forgive thank you very much um, I'm just wondering if, first of all, people need to know where the bathrooms are. Um, just one that's open right now. Which is <coughs> from us. diagonally across the courtyard. If you need to use the bathroom, please, uh, please do. Uh, and uh, but I had, no, I have some questions. Yes. And then oh, I. Um, we have a request from online land. Um, we can't. We have a good view of yourself, but we can't see Sheikh Yasser. It's, ob it's obstructed by the microphone a lot of the time. Microphone's in the way. Okay. That's better. Thank you. Good. But you can hear okay, right? Yeah, audio is good. 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 So, um, one observation, just what you were saying about connection, uh, is that in in our lineage, the uh, the Dharma is uh, the the truth is passed also person to person, and just to say. Uh, so, in the way we think about it, uh, I'm the 93rd generation from the time of Buddha. And whether these are, whether this is actually real people, mm -hmm. they're purportedly real people. And a lot of them we have history for. Uh, and it comes down to, through my teacher and his teacher and his teacher. And so we know this pretty far back. Yeah. And that's important. That's a, a family feeling of connection. Yes. But one of the questions that came up to me, and then I want to open up to questions from you, uh, 
So when you're talking about these different kinds of people, different categories of people that Allah uh, assigns, can you move from one to the next? Can you change your position? Is that, is that part of what the objective is of your spiritual life? Yes. Even that move is already programmed by Allah. <laughs> already written. <laughs> so, so that's, um, it's interesting. That is resonant with, you know, the complicated idea of karma in the Buddhist tradition. Okay. Uh, karma is cause and effect. Uh -huh. uh, and it's actually <clears throat> volitional cause and effect. So karma is not about accident. It's like there's something, some thought in your mind that generates an action and that has a karmic impact, either positive or negative. Yes. Is there it's, something like that? This is like studying like that, but compared to Allah, it's something else because Allah has infinite knowledge. Mm -hmm. That infinite knowledge makes you understand that Allah knows what everybody is going to say, going to talk, going to be before they are even created ahead of time. That's the greatness of Allah. If you don't know this greatness of Allah, then you have to study differently. You have to think differently. One is beyond our mind, but we have faith. Mm -hmm. We are following something beyond our mind. You can say something because there's no respect in something or someone. One is unique. And then you can see everybody, doesn't matter what they believe, they still have two legs. How many legs do you have? Two. Two. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what people, whatever they believe and the colors and everything, they still have two legs. You have to look at them as creation of Allah. But Allah, because he's the creator, is not creating everything. And then he said, I'm tired. I'm going to take a break Saturday. I'm sleeping. No, he's a creator with infinite creativity that when you say words, Allah can take those words and create from it another you. Whatever your intention, you're thinking about something, he creates you in another world. There's multi, multi-universe. Only in Star Trek I saw this, this, uh, that thing floating. Is that, is that where you, your spiritual source starts? I said, this is something we believe, that there are multi-universes. Because in one show, they show Captain Kirk and all the other ones in that, that flying thing. That flying saucer, the, the No, no, you said spaceship, the enterprise. enterprise. Yes. And uh, suddenly this uh, 
this enterprise, another one showed up here, another one showed up there, and all of them, they have different, different uh, Kirk and different uh, Spark. And all of them have the same thing, but that's an idea that it exists because you cannot, they cannot do that movie from something that Allah will be surprised. Oh, I didn't know this. <laughs> that is impossible. Therefore, whatever you think, Allah will make into it a person just like you that lives on another planet that you are there too. So when you meet Allah and you say, no, I didn't do that, Allah will show you, you that he created you in another place and you did that there. Allah is creating as we speak. He never stops from creating. That is the great power of Al-Khalaq. But why would Allah make people who are miserable? What, what would be the reason for that? Why would Allah make people miserable and then people happy and, and, and decide that even before they're born? Why would he do that? Yes, we, it doesn't make sense. Allah is not like us to bring the Allah down and ask him questions. Why are you doing this? <laughs> As a human being, yes, you can ask somebody, leader, leader of a country, why did you do this to this? Uh, uh, well, but what Alan's asking is, if he made people miserable, yeah. how, do they, how do they go from the miserable group to the happy group? Yes. Can they and how do they do it? Yes, Allah, Allah can do that for, for wisdom. But he cannot be uh, questioned that is wrong because Allah <laughs> has endless wisdom. So he may make somebody to your eyes look like he's doing bad. But to Allah, he's putting him there for a reason and he knows he's going to move him from here to there. And there is a, now the Prophet said, there's the Quran, the word of Allah, and there's the Hadith, what the Prophet said. What the Prophet said. And he's saying, that before, excuse me a second. Someone is unmuted, I think, on online because we're hearing some some voices. So please mute yourself if uh, if that's you. I think we might be hearing audio feedback, also a little bit. Oh well, that might be. Yeah. So to finish that one, maybe. I just want to finish it what the Prophet said and then you can take a question. He said that before, before a person is born, an angel writes on that person their longevity, how much they're going to live. Even that person doesn't know that. And they wrote on that person, it's called destiny. They wrote on that person how much air they're going to breathe, how many, how much, you, you count air by pounds, how many pounds of air. And then you also prescribe how many gallons of water or liquid you're going to drink and how many food you're going to eat. Because when you eat and you're going to drink, Allah is not saying, oh, I didn't know they're going to drink this. I didn't know they're going to eat this. That's impossible. Allah knows everything and created everything before we are here. Therefore, they wrote at the end, what kind of intelligence this person is going to have to acquire their living. 
Some they give them intelligence to be accountants. And some they give them uh, the mind to be uh, handsome. Handsome. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yes. <laughs> some people musicians. Some people musicians. Some people musicians, etc. All that. What kind of mind Allah gives them so they can acquire their living? Some, some they're written on them to acquire their living in a bad way by stealing. Dot already known by Allah, and then at the end they wrote whether this person is going to go on the right or on the left. All that, and the person is not aware of it. You come, and all that is already established. So, a person. Well, I'm wondering then <laughs> if, if a person's fate yes. is decided before they're born, yes. they can't make choices. Like in Buddhism, yeah. through mindfulness, uh -huh. you can feed loving thoughts and and let the rage and the aggression move through you without feeding it but in islam um you can't make any choices it's all predestined it seems so, like so but if if you do pray five times a day mm -hmm. can that change your fate and you can go to heaven instead of hell? These are two knowledges. Knowledge downstairs or horizontal speaks like that. But Allah's knowledge is different. Do you think Allah doesn't know what you're going to choose, what you're going to do? If he doesn't know, it's not worth to be Allah. That's the difference between our knowledge and Allah's knowledge. Allah's knowledge is infinite. In the infinity of knowledge, do you think Allah doesn't know that you, what you said is new, he never heard it before? Do you think Allah didn't create what you're going to say and where you're going to sit and your movement? Do you think you did them yourself? Allah doesn't know anything? So there is two knowledges, so we don't mix them. We say Allah's knowledge belongs to Allah. And our knowledge is the one you're speaking with. Yes. We pray and everything, and we say in between, that's why I say, there's two groups. One group is living in the bliss, one group is living in misery. But we are to say, oh Allah, don't put me in this place. That's the choice. Put me in this place, knowing that Allah knows already. And even when you do this and you say that, he created that for you. Because Allah's knowledge and power is infinite. Until you absorb this idea of infinity with no limits, power with no limits, wisdom with no limits, then you get the idea that we are very different than Allah. So to work on, on yourself without thinking about Allah is great because you work. We pray, we pray and everything, and we know this, our prayers, Allah is aware of it. You can't just pray and Allah said, oh, I didn't know he's going to pray. You can't draw something and Allah would say, oh, I didn't draw these creatures there. They can't make star track 
and Allah is surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised they made this whole thing. Only we can be surprised because that's who we are. But Allah is not like that. He is not a physical body. He created physicals. And he's not, he can't die. We die. He can't. He's always alive. And he's surrounding us even here. When we have that connection, you, you, you continue with that connection, then you feel you are surrounded by Allah all the time. That makes good life. Because everything you see, you know Allah is doing it. Then when he comes and tests you, puppets come into you, <laughs> somebody suing you or this and that to see how you're going to respond. If you blame it, you'll be the blamer. Or you can be the person who is going to have grief or can have sadness because you're putting it on yourself, ignoring the one that created you. But when you turn, oh, help me. We say that all the time when we pray, you we are after and we, you we need your help. Like that. And that's the position. There's, um, what comes to mind is some Buddhist teachings, certainly the teaching of the relative and the absolute. The relative being what we do in this mundane world, the absolute being something. A, a reality that is all-inclusive and transcendental and beyond our understanding and perhaps beyond our power. So we're, we're working with this, this dynamic tension. The, real, the relative and the absolute do not exist separate from each other. They interpenetrate each other. So, in, you know, in uh, some schools of Buddhism, uh, in early Buddhism, you have the, the idea that the Buddha is proposing that we practice in such a way that we can leave this world of birth and death. We can leave this cycle of, birth, of, of rebirth because that is the realm in which there is suffering. And we can... Uh, with proper practice and proper insight, we leave this wheel. And then finally, we, we leave it in our bodies in this world. And then when we die, there's parinirvana, which means the final extinction. So that's, that's view. If you start looking at other aspects of Mahayana Buddhism, what they say is, oh, this was actually a provisional teaching because the Buddha never dies and is all powerful and eternal and is watching over this universe that we live in. So it's very close. Um, and we cannot, and the Buddha is not a thing. Allah is not a thing. Uh, you can't attach an identity 
to these uh, <coughs> these beings that we have faith in. Uh, and so how this all plays out. So we have this really difficult teaching in Buddhism that uh, everything is perfect just as it is. And of course, some of us would say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem so perfect. What went on in Morocco two weeks ago, that doesn't seem so perfect. The fires in Maui, that doesn't seem so perfect. The war in Ukraine, that doesn't seem so perfect. What the hell are you talking about? And yet this is a, this is a spiritual position that we're actually being asked in faith to wrestle with. And I think that there's, I think there's some similarities and, and parallels in that even though the, the actual methodology and the, the theology, if you will, is, is different. Other questions? I just want to, I want to translate what he, his answer for her. I okay. want to translate into English. There's, you have free will. You can make choices. It's not that you have no choices. It's that Allah knows what you're going to choose. If you, whatever you choose, you're making choices in your life. I want to be a better person. I want to get rid of these bad, uh, we call them knocks, bad habits or whatever. You make those choices. But what he's saying, what he meant to say is, Allah knew before you were going to make those choices, but you're still making them. That's, that's I'm translating into English what all the stuff he just said. That's what he meant to say. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good life is to have, sometimes you feel you want to scratch something in your back that is too far from your hand. Good life is when my wife comes and says, Scratch me here and no, not there. She scratches right there. That's good life. <laughs> that makes a good life. You know, another metaphor for a good life, I think, is um, one of uh, Theravada teachers that I said. Uh, it's kind of like you're lying in bed and the refrigerator clicks off. You're not hearing the buzzing of the refrigerator anymore. In that moment, there's a good life. <laughs> not like the scratching. Like That's I, what was, one I was reminded of our old abbot. So he used to say, everything is a test to see what you will do. Yes. Right. Nothing more. I mean, just that. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. how you respond? Because this earth is created for to test. It's a testing ground for all of us. We are tested. That's why I give that uh, that imagination that everybody is a puppet and you don't have any strings. You're the only one free in this world. And then the puppets, they come to you differently. How you respond is where the ball game is played. How you respond. Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, so, so what are you saying or what I'm getting at is that Allah is not creating suffering. It's just the nature of the form realm that we live in is nature is suffering. Because since I was a child, I always questioned, you know, 
okay, show me Allah. And then the other one was, why people are suffering? You know, a baby is born with no limbs. You know, I had a brother that was born that physically, mentally disabled until 22 he died. Mm-hmm. Miserably. He yeah. had a miserable life. So I'm not saying that Allah did that, but I also want to know why. To just compassion. So, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. To learn compassion, that's one thing. The other thing is, in this realm, we can see things like this physically, with our eyes in our head. That's what we see. But beyond that, there's other sight. I'll give you an example. Sometimes in Casablanca, when we used to go to the beach to swim, we put uh, in the beach, we put a uh, sand, castle. sand, not castle, a sand high, high, like a little mound, mound yeah. and we put our clothes on top. Oh. So when we swim, we always look at the clothes. We don't want anybody to steal them. Because it happens to me, they stole my clothes and I had to go home just with my, <laughs> all the way walking like a mile. <laughs> then I knew that's why people put them in the thing. But I always look at my clothes. We have inside our soul, and when we pass, that soul starts to look at where they live. So that body is only closing for that soul. And sometimes Allah gives somebody like this, to give them a high level in, in the other side. He said, you, you, you did all that, I want to, I plan all that so the other people can bring the compassion out of them. Mm-hmm. If somebody is stingy by character, and they, Allah wants to change them, he gives them something that makes them generous. It can change them. Because Allah at the end, he will go out of his way to put people in paradise. It's not like, Allah is mischievous and he loves punishment and hell. And plus hell is not something that is a big hole with fire and they have some with a fork throwing people in there. It's not like that. When they put somebody in in their hell that they created, because Allah is the creator, he created from everything that that person did a planet. When they take that person to that planet, let's say that person is a sociopath and murderer and he was never caught and he killed a lot of people enjoy killing. They put that person in that planet, first they enter, the air is so hot, billion times hotter than this air. So what? This air, the air speaks back. So. Why are you complaining? I am yours. What do you mean I, you are mine? You created me. I created you. How? When you were strangling this person, I was created. Mm-hmm. Start with that. Rage. You start with that first. Then there is rivers, boiling water, drinks water. This water is boiling, is burning everything inside. You created me. Don't you remember? No. How? When you did this and this, I was created. And this whole planet is created by the deeds of that person. Nothing is out of touch with, the, with the, what that person created. And the opposite is true. You find some beings in this heaven, they welcome you and everything. So who are you? 
I am that broken glass that you moved so people don't step on it. I was created. Because Allah is the creator, forever creating, all the time. That's what is there. So we cannot say those people that are tsunamis and volcanoes and all these people that pass, you don't know how Allah is doing that. And Allah is so infinite, so great, you cannot bring Allah and ask him questions. Why did you do that? That's pure arrogance and ignorance of who Allah is. So the first step is to know who is Allah first and give Allah his position of infinite grace, infinite mercy, infinite love, everything the attribute Allah has, they're infinite. They don't have any limits. These Allah is going to question us, not us questioning Allah. If everybody have a conversation with him, right? You can have conversation, of course. Yeah. And talk, that's what we do like this. We talk to Allah. Oh Allah, make this gathering from the group of the blessed people. I wanna be with them. Don't put me in the people like gangs and killing each other and all this. You can be in those groups and they'll, they'll affect you. It's called the peer pressure. But here you can see we are in a good place. Thank God, alhamdulillah, we say. You brought up the concept of blaming Allah for something. Mm -hmm. But why not? I mean, I'm pretty sure that Allah can handle it, right? If he said, he did it. He's like, yeah, I did it, so what? And then you say, like, well, I don't like that. And he's like, well, that's just the way it is, bro. Yeah. And then you go on your way and you accept it or you don't accept it. And who cares if you accept it or don't accept it? Yeah. Except that you don't feel great, right? If yeah. you're at odds with your creator. But the idea of not blaming Allah for something that he did, <laughs> I feel like Allah can one handle it. And two, it would be disingenuous to say that Allah is responsible only for goodness and not for evil. Why couldn't he be responsible? No, he's responsible for everything. Even so when you were talking and you were doing like this, yeah. he created this, what mm -hmm. you're doing and what you're saying before you came here. He created that place he was sitting and created you, said all these things. That's the greatness of Allah. Therefore, he created the people that like to be in the miserable place. It's not like he forces them. They are, they have this quality inside that tastes good when they do bad. Like kleptomaniac, they feel, ah, even though they have everything, they steal. They can't help it, it's there. But Allah gives them choice not to do that because they know. But if they keep on doing it, and then we have in our bodies 72 like Christmas lights. In each light, there is an attribute of yourself. One light, one small light has kleptomaniac in. <laughs> Another light has stinginess. Another light has greed. And on, 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 and on, and on. And it's journey, you try to turn off all these lights. With the same thing what the Buddhists do, the uh, right action, 
right thinking. That's turning off all these ones. If someone is sitting here and they has a little Christmas light inside out of the 72, and then a kleptomaniac example, passing by and their light is shiny because they're going to steal something, that one sitting doing meditation, that light will go poof, they'll get up and they'll go do klepio themselves. <laughs> it can fire them. And the positive also, if somebody is close to Allah, they can fire others to feel that presence. It will be like when a, when a car is dead, because the battery is dead, you bring another car that has good battery, and then you hook them up with those jumpers that energy that goes from this battery to that battery is not seen but it makes that battery alive so this certainty of allah and all these things cannot be acquired by book or acquired by by reading or anything it has to be from someone that has that certainty in their heart and their presence without talking that energy goes just like the battery with the other one. And then you get a charge. With no talking, even that person can be talking about something with no value. It was, uh, if you go to Iraq and there's a picture of a green dome in Baghdad. Underneath that green dome, there is a the Sultan of the saints of his time. His name is Abdul Qadr Jilani. He was a sultan. He was in the presence of Allah, always connected. And when he was teaching, everybody sits and they listen, thousands of them. And one day his son took his place, sat, and he was teaching, but he was teaching knowledge, book knowledge, of all the sayings of the prophet. He said this, he said that and the do's and the don'ts, don't do this, do that, all the rules and regulations. And all these thousands of them, they were uh, sleeping like this. But he continued, because he was full. He didn't touch on the scene, the people are bored to stop himself, because he was so full of himself. You have to be aware, if the people close their eyes and they're bored, stop. Don't keep going, because you think oh, you're unimportant. He kept on going, going, going. Then his father came. And then the son get up and let his father sit. And he didn't speak about the, the academic hadith who said that in the Quran, the verses, nothing of this side. He just said, he said, yesterday I was fasting. Everybody started crying. So these two words, yesterday I was fasting. They're crying, he was fasting yesterday. Then I made a fish to break fast with. They're crying again. He was cooking. And then when I came to break fast, the cat came and ate that fish. And they were crying again. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Quran and the Hadith and the Prophet and the prayers. Nothing. He was speaking from his heart to their hearts. They understood it very well. They all were listening. He was speaking about something totally different. But the cable of his heart was in the other people's heart. These are the people that we try to 
for next week. So you are number 94? <laughs> Three. 93. And I'm number 41. From the Prophet to my Sheikh, who was 40, and I'm 41. There were some other hands here. I went online. Um, let me just, Hannah. Um, it sounds like, or I'm wondering what the idea of human nature, if there is an idea. Um, yeah, like is there some sort of intrinsic uh, capacity or an, um, uh, an inclination towards a law that's natural? Is that seen as somehow more natural than an inclination towards bad deeds? So yeah, or if there's like a human nature. Very good question. We call that fitra. Fitra, every human being is born with fitra. It's a gift from Allah to every human being. That fitra is a light. Everybody is born with it. So when we see something wrong, moral compass says it's wrong. If we see somebody stepping on a baby, everybody reacts because they have fitra inside. That's an example. This fitra light is in there. Either you increase that light or you cover it. When it's covered, but they call sin or wrongdoing. Every action goes up to this big giant funnel. So huge that this Milky Way, they look like little dust inside that funnel. This funnel has holes like the beehive holes. In each hole, there's a soul there. And what we have here is a light beam that goes from your body to that place in that funnel, we call barzakh in Arabic. So when you do a deed that is good, that place in that funnel, you can go up. In the open funnel, all the souls there, they have light. Not like this light, it's another kind of light. We just say word light. That light of the soul is so powerful, it feeds the sun. And then the sun feeds all the other planets. When you do bad things, like some people, murderers, then that, that place in, in the funnel, that, place where they were, goes down. That funnel goes narrow, 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 narrow. The more down you go, the, the narrower it is and there is no light. Because they, they themselves fit in that place because they are like that. They only selfish, narcissistic, think only about themselves. So they have that place there. The people who, if they change and they do good, they start rising. Every time you do something, it rises like elevator in that beam of light. Those who has that light in their heart, when they see, they can see the beam of the people. If the beam is big one with light like this color and goes up, you say that person does good. If the beam is covered by the bad behaviors, that beam becomes dark blue and dirty. 
they say that person, you have to be careful. When they make pictures of holy people, they put that beam only a little bit. They call it a hell. <clears throat> but the hell actually is not just stopping here around the head. It's going all the way to that place where the souls are. <coughs> when we finish our journey, you get correct place in that place. If you pray for your father, mother, grandfather, they pass. If you do good deeds by giving charity in their names, you can move them up that connection. You can move them up, up and up and up. And that one will be like a horn in the mouth of the big angel called Israfil. He's holding this barzakh and waiting for the Allah to give him to blow. When is that? When everybody finished from this earth, from A to Z, when the Z is there, nobody is coming after this. They're not, uh, no beams are coming. The last one is here. Then our bodies will be on this earth. And there is one seed. When we came, we came from the womb. But next one, the womb will be earth. And the seed of our bodies, it's like the seed of a plant, is hidden in the coccyx, in the tail bones. It's called ajweb. In that place, you'll be on earth. And then Allah will send this, this rain. We say rain, but it's not like this water. When it touches this ajweb seed, which is planted in earth, now we're going to be born from earth. Everyone will resurrect. We call it the day of resurrection. Since everybody is born once at a time, once at a time, now this time everybody is going to come up, standing up. Then Israfil will blow on that horn, that is really berzakh. All the souls will fly out of that place, like you can see when the kids play with the bubbles, those bubbles. And each bubble will know its home. It will go straight to your home. Now this body is not like this body. It's going to be eternal body. It's never going to die again because it's the opposite. If this life has death, the other life doesn't have death. That time, uh, that's called resurrection day when Allah is going to be dealing with justice and they're going to send everybody to the home they created themselves. But so in the meantime, are they in the heaven and hell? Who? People who have died. Where are they? Are they waiting for? Their soul is in the barzakh, waiting ah. for the day. In the funnel. In the funnel. So they're not yet experiencing um, the, the home they created for themselves. No, they can see it. Allah will give them. Will give them a light. Will give them a beam, just like an iPhone. Will give them a beam, and they can see. Either they regret, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Look, oh, I'm waiting for me. It's going to be very terrible for the people that didn't uh, care. And the other one is going to be so happy. It's like a wedding day. They can't wait to get there. And do, can, do they have an opportunity to change their path or are they set once they're in the funnel? There's, they can't change, you know, whether they'll be in heaven or hell. Can't change their position. 
Once you're, example, funnel, you can, once you're in a funnel, can you change your paid or no? You can change if other people are Pray paying for, for you. Ah, but if you don't have anybody, then you're... You, you are there. <laughs> you're stuck. But no, you can be your actions. For example, let's say you open the school. Everybody benefits from the school. You made a well. Everybody's drinking from it. The birds, the animals, all that increases your... So the top ones, we say uh, the 124,000 prophets and messengers, they're in the highest place with a lot of light. And that light is the one that gives food to the sun. And because we are so great, more than the sun. Yeah, my Allah, forgive us. I think we should sing a song and yeah, close for tonight. Close the day. Yeah, we will be back next Thursday. To be continued. With more, <laughs> more you have to come next Thursday. <laughs> Think of your questions and bring them next yeah. week. We're going to do a song that Jessica uh, and I actually recorded a long time ago. It's over. <laughs> Just seems like appropriate for this moment.
headquarters in Japan, uh, Ikeda Roshi, who is uh, going to speak to us uh, at 5.45 here in the Zendo and also online. Uh, he is uh, a Zen teacher and he's also been a chaplain working in uh, a penitentiary in, uh, in Japan and also working with high school students, teaching them kendo, sword uh, the art of the sword. So please come tomorrow, tomorrow evening, 5.30, and we'll be back here at 7.15 next Thursday. I mean, thank you. Thank you. And thank I uh, just like to check the BZC members who are pretty sure they're going to be here next week. Could you raise your hand? Pretty sure you're going to be here next week. Next week for, for the class. Oh, oh. Just because we, we, need, we, need, we might need some roles I mean, I might need to ask you to step into some roles, but you're going to be here again tomorrow. All right. I'll be online this week. Okay. I'm going to put Gens on in charge, but I'm going to make an email of all the people who are here who can do stuff, which is basically just. Thank mm -hmm. you.